Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. One of the biggest things I think people underestimate when they want to become a real estate investor is they underestimate the skill set of sales and they underestimate the skill set of marketing. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action 
For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best of your listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with John DeSauer. John, how are you doing today? I'm good, Theo. How are you? I am well. Thanks for asking, and thank you for joining us. Looking forward to our conversation. John's background is a full-time entrepreneur and has over 22 years of a real estate investing experience and his current portfolio is over 2 million square feet in rentals and retail. He is based in Chicago and you can say hi to him at his website, which is John DeSauer, J-O-H-N and then D-E-S-S-A-U-E-R.com. So John, do you mind telling us some more about your background and what you're focused on today? Yeah, so thanks for the interview and the introduction. I guess my background started growing up here in Chicago, just outside now, but up until the point I left for college, I had always grew up in apartment buildings. So I had a unique perspective of that business from the inside looking out rather than a lot of people that get involved in real estate investing, they learn it from the outside looking in. So after I graduated from college and I got out into the workforce and realized that the corporate world wasn't for me, I kind of went back to my roots and said, I liked it when the rent guy would come once a month and pick up that rent check. That was something that I'll never forget it. Around 10 years old, I'd have that happen all the time. And I was like, mom, why is this guy here again? He's here to collect the rent. But yet I'd see my mom go to her nine to five or nine to nine really to make that rent check happen. So I never forgot that. 20 some years ago when I started this, I said, I want to be the rent guy. I love my mom, but I wanted to be the rent guy at that point. So I started out about 20 some years ago at 22 and I haven't looked back since. Perfect. So maybe walk us through how you started. You mentioned that you wanted to be a real estate investor since you were a kid and you went to school and then came back to this area. Maybe walk us through how did you get into your first deal? So what was interesting about the whole thing was when I first thought about being a real estate investor, you don't think about all the dynamics that are involved in actually doing it from financing to property management and all the things that you got to do. What you think about is the luxuries and ton of money that you're going to make, right? That may not happen by the way, but that's what you think about. So my first deal was a duplex. It was a street that I was interested in buying real estate on. And lo and behold, I was driving by one day and I see the realtor pounding the for sale sign in the front yard. And I thought, hey, that's something I would be interested in buying. So I pulled over, talked to the real estate agent. And what was interesting about that first deal, which I made a terrible mistake on, by the way, is I was way over leveraged on the deal because I had bought the thing with 80% bank financing. And at the time I was able to use 20% seller financing. So it presented a situation where I came to closing with zero money out of my pocket. So I thought, man, I'm the next real estate mogul. I'm unstoppable now if this is how every deal goes, right? But what I realized pretty quickly within 30 to 45 days is I was over leveraged. I not only had a mortgage, but I had the operational expenses of the duplex and I had an empty unit on one of the units and the other unit, the gentleman was paying about 300 bucks in a $700 market. So I had all this money going out, but not a lot of money coming in. So 
that was my first deal. I learned pretty quickly that to really kind of understand the financial dynamics of the deal and how important that is. And even more importantly, just because you can buy a deal with no money down or even buying it creatively, because there's a lot of that around today, doesn't mean you should. So those are my lessons there. That's a great lesson. So let's flash forward to now. So what's your business model today? Yeah. Yeah, good question. What's interesting, I studied a lot of guys from the industrial revolution. I don't know what it was, but Chicago was a town that had a lot of these guys in it, Pullman and Marshall Field and some of these other guys. But the guy that I drew a lot of interest in was not from Chicago, it was from Pittsburgh, Andrew Carnegie, or Carnegie if you're in Pittsburgh. And what I realized about him was his original business was not steel. His original business was a telegraph business. And he started on the telegraph business and got to steel because they would put telegraph lines along railroads. So he got interested and started buying railroads so he could place his telegraph lines a little bit better and save money by doing that. And the biggest expense of a railroad is steel. And the rest was history. So by no means by saying I'm Andrew Carnegie, but it's kind of the same thing in that all of my business today has been related to that initial business that I got into, which was real estate investing. So today we have a real estate investing company. We've got a full real estate brokerage. So we have real estate agents, both residential and commercial. We do asset management with that. We're managing assets for ourselves and other people as well. Apartment buildings, retail, office buildings, things like that. And then we have a marketing company too. And one of the things that I've learned in my career is marketing and sales are so important in real estate investing world. And that's one of the things that I think people don't really think about. But that's kind of where our business model is. It falls into our investment company, our brokerage, our asset management company, or our marketing company. And all of those are kind of related. They have a symbiotic relationship with each other. And that's kind of our model. We, we stay with that core real estate theme. Could you walk us through the progression of when those were brought on and then kind of how it happened? So obviously you started with investing in real estate. So you said you got an investing company, the brokerage, the asset management company. Is it asset management? Is that property management company? Yeah. yeah Same property. thing? Okay. Yep. So brokerage, asset management, marketing company. In what order did you bring those on and when and why? Obviously, the investment company started first, and that was basically at first buying and selling all types of real estate, everything from single family houses up to 350 unit apartment complex kind of thing. So the very next thing that came was the brokerage. And the reason that that came is I would sit at closings as the owner operator. I was buying a hundred unit apartment complex and I'd sit at the closing And I would see the work that my agent that represented me and the agent that represented the seller in the deal and no offense what they were doing, but I saw the checks they were getting and I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing for them to be partaking in this deal where I'm bringing the capital, the equity and the debt to the deal. And they're taking a check. Now, granted, they found me as the seller or sometimes the buyer in that case, but I did like that process. So I thought it would be interesting to get a licensed creative firm. So now we're in four states, Illinois, Indiana, North Carolina, and Florida. And we buy and sell a lot of real estate through that. As an investor myself, it helps because 
I do get an inside look on real estate as it comes through, but also I am able to participate my real estate commission in my deal. So I start saving three to 6% off the top before I even get rolling with that. The next was the asset management firm. We were probably at one time, one of the fastest growing firms in the South part of Chicago. And the reason for that was we were acquiring a lot of assets. And as you know, Theo, that management is probably one of the most important aspects of that. For you to have a successful real estate investment, it's got to be successfully managed. So we started doing that for ourselves and other people as well. So that became an income stream to us. And then finally, the marketing side. And I think I was mentioning this before. One of the biggest things I think people underestimate when they want to become a real estate investor is they underestimate the skill set of sales and they underestimate the skill set of marketing. So we created the marketing to get leads for our deals. And we also do marketing in other areas, but that was the real premise initially for that. Okay. So you kind of mentioned where you got this idea from Andrew Carnegie of starting your original business. And then from there, seeing what your expenses are and rather than paying those, basically starting that company or buying a company that does that. Is it possible to do too much? Let's say there's 20 different ways you're paying money. How do you know when you should stop? Should you bring everything in house, like contractors, mortgages, financing? How do you know when to stop or how do you know which ones to bring in? Not necessarily in what order, but I know you kind of explained why you picked these particular ones, but just from like a larger level, right? If I'm just an investor right now, it should be based off of what I like, what I'm good at, maybe what I'm spending the most money on based off of my market. What type of things should I be thinking about? I think initially... And by the way, I don't want to sound cliche. That is a really good question for an entrepreneur because one of the dangers is of bringing on too much and taking in too much. But the idea of where I was going with that was I would look at where we were spending money and I would look at where I didn't have a lot of control. So let's take the property management, for instance. We're spending money on a property management firm, a third-party firm, but yet I didn't have necessarily direct control in that firm. And that was a real sensitive thing for real estate that we were buying because a lot of times we were buying assets that were assets that needed a value add to it. So we would come in, do a little renovation, increase the rents, lower the expenses. And that really takes an experienced manager. And initially I didn't have the necessarily the time to educate some of those property managers. So I thought we would shorten that curve and create that ourselves. Now that is a little more difficult and you do need to bring on some people for that, but you're either gonna outsource property management or asset management to a third party firm, or you're gonna outsource it to a firm that you own that you have employees to. And for us, that was a decision that we made. And 22 years later, it was probably the best one. So you're getting to my next question, which is, so I've got my real estate investment company I'm in charge of, and I guess I'm technically like the COO too. So you said you're the first company that you started was the brokerage. So here, walk me through specifically for that, or just kind of in general, am I then the CEO and CEO of that company too, or am I hiring someone to run that company and then entrusting the company to this individual? And if so, how does that work? How do I pick yeah. someone? Does that make sense? Yeah. So for us, it was interesting in that my wife, I know she's better looking than me, but she's probably smarter than me as well. So as a married couple, I've got a little bit of an advantage over somebody that's starting off on their own. So we have two people 
type A personalities instead of just one person. So when you have a couple of different entities, number one, there's a synergy that goes on between all of them. And there's some tax advantages and different things that you can do as well through having multiple companies like that. The best benefit of having multiple companies is you have the ability to have multiple streams of income. And a good example of why that's important is March of 2020, right? When COVID hit, a lot of things shut down and a lot of income streams shut down for a lot of different people. And while it was unfortunate, I think one of the things that I've realized over my 20 some years of doing this is that always happens. It's COVID today or it's 9-11 yesterday or it's the Great Recession or whatever it is, it always happens and it comes in cycles. So one of the things that we've realized with the way that we are set up is one, an income stream shuts down, another one is there or turns on. So for us, it's been a real blessing. Let me get back to your question on structure. Structure can happen really any way that you need to see fit with that. What I would suggest is don't overburden yourself and take on too much where you're ineffective at all things. Only take on as much as you can really kind of handle. And you're going to know that for yourself or your listeners are going to know that for themselves. I knew for me that I was able to take on a role on the brokerage and on the asset management side because we were already doing it. I was already taking that responsibility. So I had a little experience there. If I didn't have any experience with that, I would probably look or lean on some other people to bring in to kind of run that show if you're that big. A lot of times we're starting off small and you can't do that. And that's probably the third thing I would mention is instead of bringing on all these people and creating all these entities and all this workload, make sure there's a reason for it. Make sure there's a journey for it. Ask yourself, number one, why you're doing it. How is this going to make you money or save you money, save you time rather than spending time? That's number one. And then number two, make sure that you are growing financially in a way that you can kind of bring on that. There's no sense in creating all of these things if financially it's not in the cards yet. So that might be out of your 18-month plan. That might be your three to five-year plan, but not your 18-month plan. Your 18-month plan is to get to a certain revenue or income scenario and then make the decision once you're there what we do next, whether it's a brokerage, an asset management firm, marketing, whatever that is. Perfect, John. All right, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice is there's a lot of places that you can go and spend a lot of money to get educated. For me, the best education was some of the mistakes that I made early on. And I'm not saying not to get education because I do think there's a definite spot for that and bringing on a mentor or coach and things like that is a definite help. I wouldn't be where I am today without that. But what I would say too is don't be afraid to take a little action. If you've got a duplex, call that agent. If you've got a six unit building or a retail center or office building, call that agent, start talking to them, start getting information. So this is the advice part. Surround yourself with people that are doing it now in any way that you can. Either go to their meetings take them to lunch, do a deal with them, whatever it takes, but surround yourself with the people doing the things that you want to do. And all of that will rub off on you. Perfect. All right, John, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. I'm ready. Right, perfect. First, a quick word 
from our sponsor. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show. Okay, John, what is the best ever book you've recently read? I read a lot. The best ever book that I have read recently is called Spin Selling by Neil Rackham. And it's interesting, and I was mentioning this earlier, as a real estate investor, I think we don't focus on how important sales is to the real estate investor where you're selling that agent, you're selling that tenant on paying you rent on time, or you're selling a contractor to get the job done in the right amount of time at the right cost. You're always selling. So for me, that was a really impactful book in how to organize your sales process. So Spin Selling by Neil Rackham. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? That's an interesting question. I would probably work, I would go right back and work on an advantage we have today that I didn't have when I started, and that's technology. And what I mean by that is, for instance, the way that we find our leads today is purely tech-based. And we do that by, instead of searching for a property, instead of searching for a person, like a real estate agent, we search for problems. So problems in real estate, when there's a piece of real estate for sale, there's always a problem to solve. If I can get there before that owner says, I need to reach out to a professional, I've got a leg up, whether it's pricing or deal structure, things like that. So that's what I would do. I'd go right to my tech source with that and we would start down the marketing way like that. I know without a doubt, if it failed today, I would be back up in no time. What is the best ever deal you've done? I would say I've done a lot of good deals. I've done some deals that weren't so good. I'm sure you may be asking that too, but one of the best deals that I did was I bought a property in Lafayette, Indiana, and I bought it for 3.15 million bucks. So within 18 months, I turned that into 5.4 million. The way that I did that was by a technique that I work a lot on. I call it divide and conquer, but I buy it wholesale and then I piecemeal it off and sell it retail. And I can drastically change the value of the real estate in a very quick way by doing that. So I would say that was one of the better ones. Well, you, you were leading me, you know exactly where I'm going next, which is what's a deal that you've lost money on? Give me the most money or just biggest yeah. headache type deal. And then what lesson did you learn? <laughs> so everybody likes to talk about their wins, right? They don't want to talk about their losses. But I think in, in your losses is where you learn more, right? Mm-hmm. I bought a 48 unit apartment building. It was made up of two 24 unit buildings. And the way I bought it was I had a contact that was a real estate broker at a national firm, big firm. And he said, hey, I've kind of got this pocket listing that if you want to buy it, it's yours. I think there's some upside here. It's been managed improperly. So I looked at it. I had the equity to buy the two buildings at least. So I went for it. And the lesson that I learned 
was bad management sometimes leaves a scar. And what I mean by that is when you've got a single family house that has bad management, you can change that pretty quickly. When you've got a 48 unit building, even though there are two buildings, when you've got a 48 unit that you're buying of bad management, it really does take a longer time to get that straightened out. And my fault was my ego got in the way and I said, hey, I'm John Dessauer. I'm going to get back in there and I'm going to change this around in six months. I'm going to have a performing asset. Well, that didn't happen. I ended up selling the building after a year and a half and losing money on that. But that was a lesson learned and I haven't done that since. (laughs) What is the best ever way you'd like to give back? We do a lot of things. We've been involved a lot with the country of Haiti. Haiti is a couple hours off of a U.S. coastline of Florida. And it's really a forgotten about country. They're in really, really challenged economic scenario for most of the country. The government is a little bit in chaos. They don't govern the best there. Let's just say that for the people. So that's always been a focus of mine. I was on a board of directors for a foundation that we've built 23, actually 24 sustainable villages down there. So that's always been something that's been on our radar and something that we participated in over the last, say, 10, 15 years. And then lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you? You can reach me at johndessauer.com. That's probably the best way there. I've written some books on real estate investing. One in particular, I think your listeners and watchers would be interested in is one called Apartment Confidential, where I start to talk about some of the strategies that I've used, like the one property, my Mm -hmm. biggest upside, the the question on. So I use that strategy in that book, but that'd be the best place to find me, johndessauer.com. Awesome, John. Well, thanks for joining us and giving us your best ever advice. Some of my big takeaways your first deal we talked about that over leveraging and these creative financing strategies even if you can do them legally or the seller is willing to do it doesn't necessarily mean that you should always do it you kind of gave the example of your first deal being zero money down but that also increases your monthly outgoing payments and the property that couldn't support those payments but obviously lesson learned you talked about your business model, which I really liked. I had an interview with someone a few weeks ago who does something kind of similar. So you have your initial business and then you look at things that you're spending money on and then things that you don't have a lot of control in. And then rather than continuing to use that third party, you bring it in-house and you either create your own company, which is what you did or other integrate had. He just bought existing companies that did that. So bought asset management companies, things like that, and just took them over. Into the benefits are kind of synergy between all those businesses. There's tax advantages. And then obviously you're able to reduce your risks if something bad were to happen because you have these multiple income streams and you're hitting the deal from all different angles. And you kind of walk through during your journey when you brought each of those on. So it started off with obviously the investment company. Next was the brokerage because you saw the money that they're making for not really doing that much or at least as much as you were doing. And then next was the property management company because that was more of a control issue. Then you did the marketing because marketing is something that people underestimate the skills of sales and marketing. That's how you were able to get your leads. And we talked about the mindset of when to bring them on, making sure you're not bringing on too much, not overburdening yourself, making sure you can handle it from a time perspective. If it's something that you're good at and experienced at, you can bring it on. If not, consider finding someone else, bringing them on, and then making sure you know exactly why you're bringing this type of thing in-house. 
and making sure you're at the point financially that you can bring it in. And then lastly, your best ever advice was that obviously education is important, book education, but you're going to learn a lot more by the mistakes that you make. So just kind of surround yourself with people that are at where you want to be so that if you do make those mistakes, you got someone to help you quickly resolve those. But you can also leverage that experience to maybe increase your confidence to go out there and take some action. John, really appreciate it. Thanks again for joining us. You got it. Best ever listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow.